0: If you've ever listened to a podcast or read one of my books and thought, I wish I knew if that was the right thing for my body, or how could I make that work with my schedule and responsibilities, I've got something for you. A new workbook by me coming out late spring. My perfect movement plan, the Move Your DNA All Day Workbook, is for your specific situation because you are going to finish writing it. When you're finished, you will have a guide to a personalized movement diet that nourishes your body in the ways that you need it to. My Perfect Movement Plan is available for pre-order now. And if you pre-order from the publisher, there's a bonus, a free ticket to an upcoming online workshop, Spot the Missing Micronutrients. It's a 90-minute class where you'll learn about five often missing movement micronutrients. And these are subtle movements of the body. In this case, we'll be looking in the shoulders and the hips and the feet that are often tied to pain or injury in those areas. In this workshop, I'll also show you how to supplement with exercise vitamins. I'm putting air quotes around vitamins. And how to adjust your regular movement so exercise supplementation isn't as necessary. Pre-order now at mpmpbook.com. That's My Perfect Movement Plan, mpmpbook.com. And you'll automatically receive a bonus class ticket. But wait, there's more. Um, I'm going to be drawing three names from these pre-orders, and these peeps are going to get a small group session with me to go over your perfect movement plan. So You can ask me questions, and we'll brainstorm your specific situation on a Zoom call together. I cannot wait. So head over to mpmpbook.com for all the details on the book and the bonuses. Read through the frequently asked questions, order the book, get the class, and then get moving. I'm so excited to share this workbook. It's the missing puzzle piece you've been waiting for, and it's so very actionable. This is Katie B., and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com podcast. Enjoy. It's the Katie Says Podcast, where movement geek Danny Hemmett joins biomechanist Katie Bowman. That's me, author of Move Your DNA, for discussions on biomechanics, movement nutrition, natural movement, and how movement can be the solution to modern ailments we all experience. Danny Hemmett, how are ya? Yeah, I'm great. I feel like. I miss you. People I People don't know we were just together for a whirlwind weekend. It was crazy. It was just a,
1: a montage of fun. <laughs> That's all it was. was just hiking and food and fun and friends. And then it was over.
0: Like that. It was just like. Was truly one of the best Saturdays of my
1: life, really. It was fun.
0: I think it was particularly great when you're like, it was like we just lived a montage. Like a, a, we did. A movie <laughs> montage of going to Boulder, Colorado for a week was what we did in a day.
1: It uh-huh. was pretty spectacular. That's totally true. It was fun. Yeah. And before that, the past few weeks in the news have just been crazy intense. And I'm not even talking about the political stuff. Like there's been a lot about our culture, our sedentary culture, yeah. which we usually focus on, you know, natural movement in the news. But I want to talk about all the stuff that's been going on and we've been saving
0: Well, we keep sharing it, right? I keep sharing it on Facebook going, you guys, pay attention to this. You guys, pay attention 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 to this. And this was originally, we like to do news shows because they're super relevant. And plus, I think, I don't know if you do, but anytime anything about movement comes out, like in the New York Times exercise section or whatever, I get a ton of emails and and tags and various social media going like, what do you think of this? So we were were saving these really from the last, since April, maybe? It's May Mm -hmm. now. So for like the last eight weeks, we've been saving stuff but they just keep coming in. And finally, you know, I I know there's this common theme. I'm also working on this book right now, Movement Matters, which is a book of essays. So all of you who are going, I thought you said you weren't going to write another book. I'm not really writing another book as much as I am pulling out old essays that were written before and like editing them and putting them together to make a common theme more easy to see. Kind of like what we're going to do here today. Now, are these like just essays that you've Were they old like blog posts or stuff that you've kind of both? Both, okay. There are essays that have never been published. I write actually a lot of blog posts that I never publish because I'm not able, like, it. I start it, like, I I usually it works for me where I'm inspired. I sit down and I'll write two or three thousand words and I don't really have time to edit it. And then, or it just I just put it aside, like, I want to come back. This isn't finished yet, but I don't know exactly Mm -hmm. why it's not finished. So you put it aside and you do that for years and then you end up just having essentially a book written, but it's not really a book with a a central theme. You know, it's not a plot for you writers okay. out there. It doesn't have a plot. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like these, are a bunch of short stories. However, as I went back to reflect on them, they all had the same central theme. Um, and awesome. when they were grouped together and slightly edited, where I could really call out that theme over and over again, it was like, wow, this is a really powerful collection. Um, It's not an exercise book. There's no exercises in it. It's a book about movement, how we think about movement, and specifically how a culture is similar to a corporation in that it's a culture's best interest to perpetuate itself and how because we are part of this culture, we are really – unaware of the ways that we perpetuate sedentary behavior. And that's, I think this is why I've been like so diligent to really separate exercise from movement. And I think that even a lot of people like, oh, I don't exercise, I move. And I'm like, yeah, but you're still only considering like big movements. Some of the things that we're going to talk about right now are some of the smaller movements. And this book is really good at breaking that down. So that's what this podcast is about too. I'm writing this book. And so when you, you probably know when you're If you're in the middle of writing a book, you're thinking like the characters, right? Like, I don't know. I don't write fiction. But I imagine if you are – you almost embody your characters because you're – Oh, you have to. You have to. So I am embodying a person who is hyper aware or certainly trying to be of all of the sedentary messaging. And because I am that character in this book, it's my persona right now Mm – Every time anyone sends me these things about X or Y, the things that we're going to cover right now, all I can see is this central theme. So that's what we're going to we're going to take some headlines some top headlines and then some not top headlines, but just some occurrences and pick out a central theme with the hopes that you will be able to see that theme and many other things that you read going forth. Yeah. All right. That's good enough. Wrap it up.
1: Goodbye. Thank you. Okay. April was just crazy. It started out on April 1st, and I'm just going to read the headlines, and then we'll go back and talk about all of them. Wait, was and this a, just so everyone, was this an April sorry? Fool's joke? No. No, oh, that was our job. Wasn't
0: that so funny? Because when you read this headline, <laughs> I was like, this is an excellent... When I saw this headline, I, I, I thought, thought it was an April Fool's joke. I totally thought it okay, was. Okay, what was the title? And even
1: there's a little bit of irony because it's like a series about misconceptions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. In the New York Times, we're just going to talk about those and then go back and break it down. (laughs) Okay. All right. The first one was, the headline was, exercise is not the path to strong bones. Okay. April fools. (laughs) Yeah. Just kidding. (laughs) Then there was one, these are all New York Times uh, in this particular episode that we're doing. One minute of all out exercise may have benefits of 45 minutes of moderate exertion. Yes, And then there was getting people to move more. All right. And just so everyone knows, all this stuff will be linked in the notes, so I'm not going to say it again. Okay. Let's go back to the first one. Exercise is not the path to strong bones. The series on misconceptions was they are saying, well, it's a misconception that all you have to do is walk or do even modest strength training to build strong bones. And... They came back with this thing that said, "Well, it has little or no effect on bone strength. And go.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, she used very powerful language. So she was what she was saying, and i don't I don't think I disagree with the sentiment of the article, but I was paying hyper awareness to the words that were being used. What she was saying is, you know, we've all been told that we need to exercise to um, strengthen our bones, but, the data doesn't back it up in fact exercise shows or uh, research shows that exercise does not benefit bones the only thing to benefit bone are these particular drugs or these medical interventions and it was on april 1st i thought it was a joke and then i then i was like okay it's not i'm looking i went to go look. i always look at the research so her overall hypothesis was she didn't clarify and she did she did print a clarification she put, She printed a clarification yeah. that was more like, I should have done this and I should have done this, as opposed mm-hmm. to rewriting an article that was more accurate, which I thought was interesting. You know, it was like. Right. Well, I guess there was a pretty big, she got a lot of feedback. There
1: was an uproar over. Right. This particular, what we thought was an April Fool's joke. Right. And a couple days later, she had to say, oh,
0: <laughs> But but it was weird because I I think I would have just appreciated an actual better article, not an article about what she should have done in the first article. Meanwhile, leaving the article up. So I went to pull the research that she was citing about, you know, data shows that exercise is not protective against fracture and this is the thing. So I actually had to buy it. Sometimes there's a lot of open access, but like, I don't know if a lot of people know, like when you actually go to read the research, you oftentimes have to purchase it. There's companies that I want to say harvest. They harvest research and then they resell it. But you pay 30 bucks, you know, to be able to read an article. So when I went to go find the article that was cited, and I'm sorry, I have like a hundred things open on my computer right now. When I went to go pull up the article she cited. What what I wanted to know is, okay, you're saying exercise doesn't work. Exercise is a category of many things. So, what's better, and we've talked about this before in lots of different episodes is when you're going to make a big statement like that exercise is not the path to strong bones and a lot of the flack that she got was, well, here's some articles that show that it is. And she was like, "Oh, I wasn't talking about that kind of exercise." or that populations, I was speaking to an undefined population that I'm now going to define and a type of exercise that I'm now going to define. So when I went to pull the article, I was like, well, what is the research when they showed that the effect of exercise was negligible on bone? What were they actually testing? Because that's your headlines could always be written. Like if you're going to, if you're going to sum up a study with a sentence, it would be better to show this type of exercise X, Y, and Z Was not the path to strong bones, which is a much more specific, that's the actual researched sentiment. They didn't research all types of exercise, they researched one or two or six. So I went to pull up what this review article was citing. And when I bought that article, all I wanted from the article was the protocol. What's the methods? What was the exercise that people were doing? They said, you know, essentially, thank you for buying this article, but we use the protocol of this other article. That's what they do a lot, right? So then I'm like, okay, so now I have to go. So it's $60 to make this podcast right now, people, and also for my own personal understanding. <laughs> so then I had to go buy the article and just hope that that the actual methods was in this one. So when I went to get the the researched protocol, the protocol that they're researching is standard fitness Type exercise, right? It's three times a week. I mean, it's like, it's everything that you think of when you think exercise. Okay. Not necessarily the clinical definition, but it's the general fitness kind of assumption, like what I call like the Shape Magazine interpretation, fitness magazine interpretation of exercise, which is three times a week, 40, most sessions are 40 minutes long, but they run anywhere between 40 and 60 minutes. And by the time you add, you know, they have a warm up and whatever. It's 12 weeks of doing this program and they have a strength training program and then they have a, like an aerobics based training program. So it's, you know, like when you're doing the aerobics based program, it's usually walking or running or jogging, which I don't know exactly how they delineate probably on speed. And then you're working at a percentage of your heart rate max, right? Which is kind of different for everyone. So you're, you'll do this many minutes at this percentage of your heart rate and this many minutes. So basically they're, Cardio is 20 to 30 minutes of doing it at one particular intensity with maybe a couple minutes of going higher or lower. And then when you have the strength training protocol, which is, you know, what's used for a lot of bone, because there is an understanding of osteogenic benefits come about with 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 things that really bend or stress the bones in particular ways, whether it's compression or bending or tension. Okay. And I when I try to pull up the exercises, what were the exercises? Squat. Stiff leg deadlift, lat pull down, upright row, calf raises, crunches. It's like stuff. It's like the stuff if you've ever joined a gym. Yeah, I was going to say it sounds like the first training exactly. session. Or exactly. It's, it's the orientation session. session. Oh. Orientation
1: 101.
0: Exactly. 24-hour fitness. So so that that protocol, when you exercise 40 minutes, 40 to 60 minutes, doing those types of things three times a week for 12 weeks does not improve your bone, which is a radically different statement than research has eliminated exercise as, you know, as benefit to bone. So I think, I can't remember exactly how I wrote it up, but she's saying like the, there actually is a tiny benefit to bone, but it's like 1%, you know, or whatever. And it's like super negligible. And I was like, well, so is your movement program. Your movement program was Mm -hmm. in terms of percentage was, you know, 2% of, time spent moving and so really the results that you got are exactly what you would imagine from an almost negligible movement program right so that's how I reframed it going if you're going to measure almost hardly any movement it's not radical to expect hardly any improvement the conversation the more important conversation would be more important i think to this discussion of these follow-up articles which we'll talk about which is like why aren't americans moving more it's because there's headline of exercise doesn't work rather than we're barely moving and that's not as sufficient to keep us out of the risk factor for uh, the risk factor for fracture so i just think that you can see it two different ways and i was like i bet you there's a ton of people now who when are being told by their medical health team or their family, you know you should really move more to be healthier. It's like I research shows that exercise isn't going to do anything for my bones anyway you know cor- and that's in <sighs> New York Times like it's a very prestigious yeah, publication yep. you know because they have no idea how the exercise program was delineated and then you could also see it this other way, which is, yeah, this is right on track for our understanding of how movement and biology work together like this is completely mm-hmm. what I would expect. Not surprising, right on par with the biological and mechanical mechanism. So, anyway, that was the first one. But I just thought, I'm like, look at the messaging. The messaging here is, and she actually concluded it. Now, interestingly enough, because someone was saying via social media, like, what's the purpose of, like, what was the purpose of this study or this article? And what I found interesting was the article ran on the same day or within a couple days as the press release. For the new bone-enhancing medication. Oh, really? Yeah. So that pr- the pr- so she concluded her article. Gosh, it would be so much more powerful if I could actually read it right now. Well, Hold here, on. here. I've got it right in front of me. What is it? What's the bottom, that one that says, the only thing that works? Yeah, and that was really, I had to read that a couple times because I was like, really? That's a super bold I've, statement. It stuck in my craw. Oh, here it is right here. At this point, nothing except injections of parathyroid hormone and perhaps a new injectable drug called uh, Abolaparatide. Uh, say it again, a uh, uh, Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I thought it was really interesting that she like to include a potential new drug as something that would work mm-hmm. while spending all this time, like talking about not having evidence of this other thing. Like it was just strange, but that was the thing. So, okay. So anyway, I'll read it again. At this point, nothing except injections of parathyroid hormone and perhaps a new injectable drug called now being tested in clinical trials make bone denser or stronger. I found that, like, from a journalistic perspective. Yeah. Like, as from a writer's perspective, like, this seems to be, like, it didn't flow with the rest of the article. Can I say my word for it? Yes.
1: Okay. I consider that irresponsible journalism. Because not everybody knows to look deeper or dig deeper. They just, they believe the words on the page. And I just feel like that was leading. It was really leading somebody to a conclusion without giving them the other side. You know, there's no devil's advocate in there.
0: Well, and I think here's another thing about language. She said at this point, she wrote, at this point, nothing except X, Y, and Z makes bones denser or stronger. When what she meant was, at this point, there's no evidence of anything making right. So those are two different statements because this is another big theme I have about people and their understanding of science. I think that people perceive that if there's no evidence for something, that that something only works once there's evidence of it working. Like gravity wasn't happening until Newton defined it, <laughs> right? And so like we have this kind of um, relationship now with science and evidence. Where it's an authoritative type thing. It's like, okay, well, it will work once we define it and say it is like, well, no, it's working or not working all of the time, regardless of who understands it. Those are just the laws of the universe. So I turned into this hyper, like when I read and I credit my husband to this because he's an an editor, ironically. I'm a terrible speaker and writer, but he, but but he he taught me the appreciation that's, of like it's exactly what you need. That sounds like a perfect. match. It's a perfect match, right? Like about? so, he was There's like nothing ironic about it. It's awesome, yeah. And so he was like, no, well, what you've said is actually this, and I was like, oh, well, that's not what I meant. He's like, well, that's what you said. Mm. So you know, clean up what you write to mean what you say, and that's helped me tremendously in the last couple of years. But it's also really helped me tune in to how people are using language to lead us, or it maybe it reflects the way that they think, but in turn, it perpetuates the way that we think and the way that writers write. And so I think this mm-hmm. is all part of sedentary culture. Right now, movement doesn't work. It will work maybe if a scientist can prove it later on, but at this point, it doesn't work. And then, of course, her follow-up was like, well, of course, you. I still think you should exercise, but just know that it doesn't work. And I was like, okay, I don't get it, but anyway. Yeah. All right, next one. I think we should go straight into the can we go to the
1: 1 minute yeah. of all out exercise. That one. Okay, cuz I feel like that kind of ties into the same thing you What was the, the post you said you started out saying like you could compare pomegranates to
0: apples? Oh, I said if you if you define a pomegranate and an orange or insert any two fruits. If you if you define a grapefruit and grapes as being fruits, then you can set them as equal. Exactly. The one one sentence distillation of this
1: article was, her her thing was, hey, let me just tell you that it's been found that one minute of arduous exercise is comparable in its physiological effects to 45 minutes of gentler sweating. I read some of her other stuff and she's a big proponent of high-intensity interval training.
0: And cardio, she's a runner.
1: Right, which is like, for those of you that don't know, it's just like... A sprint, you know, one minute of something really strenuous, like a sprint. And then you walk or you kind of jog or do something else. And then, you know, you do a sprint again or, you know, crazy amount of jumping jacks. Something to just kind of like spike your heart rate and then back down. It's just a a different way of of doing that. But anyway, okay, tell me about your post.
0: My comment on this one? Yeah. It It was just the same thing. It was just like really tune in to the message that you're being given here. This is an article ironically the title of the article and the body of the article was really like one minute of all-out exercise meaning like you're working as hard as you can it's not just you know like at 75 percent heart rate max like you're sprinting you are all-out exertion could be similar in benefit to 45 minutes of something more moderate this is not necessarily a new approach Mm -hmm. It's just the first time that the New York Times has come out and said this and is like going, you know, maybe if you only have that one minute to exercise, you can think about it as being the same as 45 minutes. My commentary was mostly to the language and also the way that a sedentary culture is trying to approach its movement health problem. It's like, well, let's research how we can like move in a single minute and still feel like or still have the physique of or whatever of because it because I don't think that you would find comparable physiological benefits I think that you could find some similarities between the two but if you listed all of the things that are happening in either case I think that you would see of course they're extremely different however there are also always going to be ways in which you can make them the same and then when you make them the same it's really easy to go well, I'll just do it. It's the same. You'll see the similarities and then feel okay, feel supported by scientific evidence of why you only need to move for one minute. Interestingly enough, the actual research was not on a single minute. It was a single minute done with many other minutes. Right. I think it was like eight. I have to apologize because I don't have that ready, but it, it wasn't even a single minute. If you read the comments, they're like, the researchers didn't measure a single minute they did a single minute with like a 4 minute warm up and cool down and so you can't call out just that single minute but i think what she was trying to say is working really hard for a minute does your body good that's a great statement i am mm. i'm behind the working really hard for a single minute because i think that when we talk about human movement there's definitely a need for all out exertion not not 50 minutes not 30 minutes but just a short peak you know I look at my cat my cat like does probably 20 sprints a day if I go outside my cat like runs around real fast and like runs up a tree and then like runs down and then goes back to sitting down so and humans you know do this and like there's you know if you're talking about hunting or chasing a kid like I chase my kid just for a minute you know it's just like whoa really fast but to say that that is something that you do in lieu of all the other exercise minutes. And of course we haven't even mentioned movement minutes. Well, I was going to say, yeah,
1: right. I, I have a problem with the word, and this is probably going to maybe ruffle some feathers is I don't like biohack. Like I hacking things is great. You know, if you can, if you can stack your life and do these things, that's great. But I really don't believe that there is a biohack. I feel like, and I feel like things like this, promote that thought, you know, and they, they take your train of thought away from the fact that it it is about movement. You know, we've distilled it down to, you know, you just got to exercise and look at now you only have to exercise for a minute. (laughs) It's like, okay, but let's back out of the room slowly and look at the bigger picture about what's going on all those other minutes of the day. You know, you cannot biohack movement. I mean, it's just, I I think it's it's A equals A with that. You know, you you have to move.
0: We should do a one minute version of this podcast and be like, they're the same. And then just like you just say quickly, just come on, and you just do like twenty <laughs> puns real fast. And I yeah. just like drone on for like thirty seconds. Make up and some I, words. You have same. to make up some it's words. Yeah. It's the same. same.
1: It's the same. It's the same. It's the only podcast you'll ever need. That Katie says, right there.
0: <laughs> a one, one minute, minute Katie <laughs> says podcast. High and intensity. And boy, was it arduous. <laughs> Woohoo! So yeah just again, messaging, what is the messaging of, so these are our wellness journals or wellness blogs. These are the areas of the news set aside to kind of educate us, I think, on being well. And so far, this is, these are both in April of these two. I don't know if it comes out once a week. They both have told me that I could move less, that movement won't help my bones. And that I can move a minute instead of 45 minutes. I feel like that's, What's being implicitly applied, and I think that that's you know, that makes people happy, right? We're like sweet or makes people maybe not feel so bad about the culture that they're participating in, right? Because if you feel paralyzed to move, sure, then kind of the the who are these? These are the we've appointed these journals, these texts, these newspapers, these authorities of of kind of feeding back to us what we need to know to maintain this culture. And so far less movement seems to be okay. I feel okay about, I feel okay about less movement because it wasn't going to fix my bones anyway.
1: Sure. You know, there I was right this whole time. Well,
0: I, I was, I don't know if I was right, but I was stressed before. Now I feel better. Right. You know, my stress potentially being a motivation to move more. Now I don't have to make those decisions. Okay, in the same blog, in the same month, <laughs> it's, very, it's very confusing.
1: <laughs> the same person wrote a blog post called Getting People to Move More. Now, this one is a little, I like this one a lot more. It's a little more straightforward in its language. What the essence of it was, was in 2010, a group of public and private organizations got together to develop and Reese, a national physical activity plan, which was like a blueprint for getting Americans to move more. And it recommended things like every school child be allowed, you know, physical education classes, preferably daily employers find ways to reduce sitting time and that cities, municipalities create and promote park lands and walking paths, bike paths, other ways for communities to be active. Mm -hmm. But then there's this other group that since the release of the plan, they got together like Heart Association, the CDC, Department of Health and Human Services, and they've, they came out and said, hey, this was all great six years ago, but physical activity levels in the U.S. have hardly budged. And for many people, they've declined. And this article was interviewing one of these people that had a new physical the alliance that released the the physical activity plan back in 2010 they're like okay we got a new one that was released this april a new plan a new plan all a new right a national activity plan and then they interviewed one of the the people who's a professor of public health
0: and and but basically the new plan is that we're not going to talk about exercise anymore we're going to talk, we're gonna about, talk movement. about movement yeah. so that is really encouraging yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of different ethnicities or 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 groups of people throughout the nation. This is something that I worked on when I was in school who, you know, like working out is really a luxury of people with disposable income, disposable time, mm-hmm. um, a particular family structure. It's a very elitist thing to do. So you've got people, like, where is all the research coming from? They're coming from people at universities. Like, we got to get people exercising more. It's like, well, many people make, you know, like, below – I mean, they basically are making – they're in poverty. Yeah, it's poverty wages. And so with that goes, what, a certain type of, like, amount of working, like how many jobs you have to have, like, to be like, why aren't you guys working out? You know, it was – it was culturally lost. So, within our culture, there are subcultures. And so, it's a culture of one group trying to tell another group. And I think this article addresses it too. We're like, oh, it, we're it kind does. of reckon, you know, we're like, it, oh, it's like, okay, that. They added a diversity committee exactly. to that panel because they
1: understood that it was not being addressed.
0: Right. It's just, and that's, I think that we've got everyone's not moving, but some people have the luxury of supplementing their sedentary life with exercise and mm-hmm. then some people don't so this is a cool approach i mean but it's, it's like basic stuff like right take the chair like take the stairs don't take the elevators can i tell you a story though yes when i left you at the denver airport the denver airport doesn't have stairs it has escalators and elevators only check that out next time you want to go somewhere okay. the escalator was out and blocked so oh, really every, yes so this was... And this like, was so people so, couldn't even walk up it like stairs? No, no, because so there, there was someone working on it. So it was totally okay. blocked. So you had 150 people and it was the escalator to get down to the train to get to all of the gates. So they had made it where you couldn't even use your own muscle work to get down. I had to stand in line for... 15 minutes to wait to catch the elevator so like this, these four elevators are like bussing up and of course there's 150 people when i got there is constantly being supplied from the back uh-huh. and then i found you know i'm like i'm like this is ridiculous and i'm like walking all over trying to find another set there was no other stairs there was no other escalators that i could walk to and then i found the emergency stairs and i was like yes but which they call the tornado shelter. Mm-hmm. We get tornadoes here. It doesn't say it doesn't say stairs, it says tornado shelter. But I opened it cuz I'm nosy and I was like, there's stairs here, but as I walked down to the stairs to get to the door that would let me out at the train mm-hmm. emergency sounding. <sighs> and I was like, you, you set know, off the
1: emergency alarm? No,
0: I didn't do that oh. cuz I'm nosy, but I'm not going to break the law. So I walked back up the stairs and stood in line again for the elevator. Like, but I was like, this is where we are right now. Like there is no place to move my body physically myself. Like I couldn't even, like, it was just surreal. So when I got back to Seattle and I was like, happy to see the set of stairs next to every single elevator where there is none in Denver airport. Check that out next time. I will. I've only been there once. so I will have to check. I couldn't even choose to take, I couldn't even take the stairs if I wanted You were just being shuttled along like cattle. hmm? It's weird.
1: Well, this was good, and I hope that people do read through this article. They just did a short Q&A with one of these professors that was on this committee. But he addresses, I'll just read one of his things. Many people think of exercise as something that is planned, high intensity, and a lot of work. Physical activity is a more inclusive term. Any movement can be considered physically active and beneficial, even if you just walk around the house instead of sitting on the couch. We want to convey the idea that you don't have to exercise, just move more. Yeah. Yay. And they, they have stuff in this this group of recommendations like for schools, even if they don't have resources, things, ways they can use community facilities and community members to help facilitate more movement within the school. Like they don't need a grant, you know, to get all the kids BOSUs or whatever, but just ways that it's more attainable. And so that's really cool. And and very aware that it's just so easy now to not move. In fact, you were being forced to not move at Denver International.
0: Well, listen to this. This is in the Q&A. He said, the social, we're swimming upstream. The social conditions that promote inactivity have been building for decades. I love that. It's so easy not to move. So I just think that, like, that's... You have to recognize that the culture depends, the culture has adapted, the culture has parts that require our sedentary behavior. It becomes, makes very, people very uncomfortable once you start moving and once you start pointing out mm-hmm. where movement has been outsourced. True
1: that. This was good. And I, I would like to, um, I have not yet read the whole released thing, the oh, their activity plan, but-
0: like when when does everyone in the nation get that? How do we get that? Yeah. Oh, if someone wanted, could you link to it? I think this it? afternoon, everybody's
1: supposed <laughs> to have a copy by this afternoon. Could you link to it so that everyone can read it? Oh, it's in there, but I'll link to it. I mean, I'll print it up. You know, I'll separate the link if people don't even want to read this article. It's
0: too much. That's too much. I, that's too, I have to move too much to read that article. Just I send know. me the link. But that's so great because the the last part of it, how they
1: ended it. I'm sure this isn't how the conversation ended, but it's how fortunately the editor chose to end it, and they're trying to make up for that whole. Exercise doesn't help your bones headline that they came out with earlier. They're like, we got to redeem ourselves,
0: Maybe.
1: but it says we want our children and loved ones and ourselves to be well, to achieve that. We must move more. Yeah. they're not saying exercise.
0: Yay. Well, and at this point, probably Yay. what's really needed is a strong definition or delineation between movement and exercise to be used in all research and journalists going forward. Then it's like, okay, this is what we're all talking too. about, right? If everyone's on the same page and then a and it's like, oh, great. Exercise doesn't work my bones. That's fine. That doesn't mean anything about movement, you know, affecting mm-hmm. it. So, all right. So, let's move on to apples. Yeah. Well, and actually, to go before that. So, this is not in the news, but it's in my news. <laughs> it's in my world. I posted, if you want to go to my Instagram, you can link to it in the notes here. This bag of, I, I taught, so I'm in this. And remember, I am the persona, the movement matters. Movement ecology outsourced movement persona. You're right looking now, at
1: everything through your movement ecologist glasses. It is.
0: It is. Which That's are okay, which yeah. are which are beautiful. They're beautiful glasses, but they are they they expose a lot. They're like X-ray glasses. You see stuff that you might not have wanted to see before, and and specifically, I've been talking, and there's a whole section in the book on food and eating and you know we used to just have to move directly in nature for our food and then it just slowly became outsourced and now people get food they have no idea of the movement that was involved in making it movement that they didn't have to do themselves and you could be like okay growing you know like you don't think of like farming or growing or foraging or gathering or whatever those are movements but then there's also the cutting the washing the slicing the mashing the grating whatever you know whatever it took to get the thing that you finally buy at the store to eat so this was a bag of dehydrated beets and if they called it anything else it probably wouldn't have even triggered anything but the name of the the name of the product was called just beets which is different than the beets sitting on my counter which i would also call those just beets or maybe only beets the word (laughs) so like and I when and it was just, it, I was just irritated by the language of minimizing what these were like they're just beats man it's like okay well so I went to the Trader Joe's website where they came from and and then they had this whole like gorgeous poetic thing about that their their distributors like grow these in Mexico and they pluck them fresh you know from the earth and scrub and 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 Trader Joe's was had broken down all of the labor in their write-up which I found I felt like it was trying to kind of pan oh, really oh yeah like it was tra- okay. I feel like the write-up was trying to pa- I quoted the write-up in there
1: that's right
0: you know that the write-up was pandering to your like sense of going oh it's fresh from the earth and like hands right. have done this and they have well, sure that's their job I mean
1: it, it, it's it's
0: copywriting it's copywriting but they had they had so well laid out my point I'm like look at all the mm-hmm. movement for this product not only the movement of the planting and the harvesting, but, like, who are the people who were scrubbing? It actually said scrubbing the beets, you know, hand-washing the beets and slicing and... Lovingly. Did they have lovingly? I don't know. (laughs) Putting them in our dehydrator, right? Not, you know, like... Uh And to go, man, the fuel created for this product and the packaging, right? The packaging that's three times the size of the beet chips that are in there, you know? So you could fit the words just beets on there. Right. And I was like, this is... This product is like pandering to the health conscious. Yet it epitomizes all that is opposite of clean living, right? Because we we boil, like we, when you have the luxury of getting to think of, you know, really only the health nutrition foods that you put in your mouth and not labor conditions and all these other things. You know, it's like, who is, who is paid? You know, for two ninety nine dollars you got this bag that is like garbage in the future. These people are out, you know, Growing and cutting and hand slicing all of your beets and you just have to pluck it off, drive to the store and then throw the trash in the garbage. And all this work is done for you that you never know about. And so there's a little bit of a just beets rant. And then someone sent me this article in the Washington Post, which is all this research done on, you know, there is a, a movement to try to make public school lunches healthier. So they're putting apples. Apple consumption is like gone way up. Only to find that the kids are throwing them away, and then they like did all these investigations and spent all these research dollars, only to find out that apples are just too cumbersome to eat. You know, you have to slice it. That kids will eat it if you slice it. You know, so they're prepackaging the slice because. And they actually said like just you have to think about how hard it is. The yeah, apple. Here's what it al- says. Yeah, tell them to read it. Okay, so it says the hardest part is getting kids to start eating fruit to take the
1: first bite, and that's precisely what slicing an apple makes more appealing. But um, They punted. They didn't even know it. <laughs> a child holding. Oh, I love this. Okay, sounds hashtag sounds- the struggle is real. <laughs> uh, a child holding a whole apple has to break the skin, eat around the core, <clears> and deal <throat> with the hass. No, and deal with the hassle of holding a large fruit. Question. And then it says, yeah, it, it says that barrier might seem silly or superficial, you think? But they say it's significant when you're missing teeth or have braces, as so many kids do. Let me just interject there. Both my kids are in braces. They they don't they can't bite into an apple, you know, during this time, but that's a very short time in a human's life. And also like- they cut their apples up at home if they want to eat an apple because right. their orthodontist said, don't, you know, don't be biting into the apple. You'll knock a bracket off. But that's not, that's like when you're chewing food for a baby and, and, you know, like a mother bird.
0: I also I mean, think. It's a very short time. I, and I also think that what we're not paying attention to is like, why are our kids needing braces in the first place? Because they right, don't that's chew. that's whole thing. We've, you know what yeah. I mean? Like they, like right. they've never chewed. It's like puree all their food, buying packed stuff like you when you use your jaws and your mandibles, it's it's and also apples now are like huge. Like we've created monster apples and weak jaws through our habits, and now we're having to create a technology to correct the technology, which is apple slicers and various and, chemicals to put on the sliced apples so that they don't turn brown. So that and you I just can, like to say too, oh my gosh,
1: a lot of people, a lot of cultures eat the core. I eat the core because. I don't want to be poisoned by arsenic. So I figure a slow dose of the, the minimal amount of ar- arsenic and seeds is always, that's I've always been paranoid. I like the core. I have always eaten an entire apple except for the stem. I like that about you. Do you? I do. Okay. It's true though. I kind of like the core, but a lot of cultures, I mean, eat the core. They eat the whole fruit. So that's kind of. When they said eat around the core, it's like, well, that's just... A lot of
0: cultures eat that the whole sucks. animal, too, not just right. the filet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just... Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's, like, really the waste and, and the and the movement. You know what I mean? Like... Right. Well, and then they pack it, you know, the chemicals that they got to spray on the Because trash. they won't stay. If you
1: slice an apple... No, of course. You know, you know what happens to it unless you spray stuff on it. And
0: So the point is not about... <sighs> my point with this thing is not about, like, how you eat or whatever. It's just, like... Look at the strengths that we're like, we are a human being right now that doesn't like that is. But our kids and, and adults, too, you know, do would like throw the apple away because of to hold the apple and to chew the apple and bite into it is just too cumbersome, too much movement. And we are so used to someone else, something else, some other machine fuel, like the carbon footprint of our diet is crazy. And a lot of it stems. ah from <laughs> Yay, yeah yeah thanks a good one. we could have done that totally in one minute um it <laughs> stems from a like a recognition of just not moving mm-hmm. anyway so. and the thing is is we want the kids to eat more apples for their health right yeah apples like right like uh, just it goes right. on and on but anyway let's let's yeah. let's leave this on a positive note because actually Absolutely. all of this is positive because when you see it that's when you can start embodying the change so but tell me about some other people's changes oh i
1: got i got some really cool stuff there was other stuff in the news that didn't make you know you slap your palm to your forehead a couple things on wnyc radio which is like the great creator of radio lab and good shows like that they did this cute little story that we'll link to about this kindergarten in brooklyn that decided to take matters into their own hand with their kids getting outside. So they're right, there, right in Brooklyn, right in the city. But for one day a week, they bundle all these little kindergartners up and they take them outside for most of their day to a park. They bring no toys. All the kids have are their hats and coats and boots and, you know, whatever stick they find, whatever mud or rock they find in the park. And they just, they go out in all weather.
0: Well
1: So there's no rain or snow that keeps them inside. And so that all the children could participate in this program, in this classroom, the two teachers that started it got grants so they could buy, you know, galoshes. And did I just say galoshes? How old am I? Good God. I don't know. You know, (laughs) so they could have the gear to enable these little ones, you know, so their parents wouldn't freak out about them being outside. And they didn't wait for any administration to say, hey, let's get these kids outside They had been; these two teachers had just been reading about nature school, the effect of nature on kids' development and their learning, and decided we got to do this. They're not out in the woods; they just go to a park in Brooklyn. But it's awesome. It's had it is awesome. It's very sweet. There's even a sweet little video that you can watch. These kids learning cooperation because they have to lift logs and you know making mud pies and then selling them in the mud pie market and. They're little rosy cheeks from being out in the, the crisp air. And they're just so happy to be outside. Yay. That part was cool. That was a good story. And then I just heard this at the end of last week. I love this so much. And I'll link to the show. This was on NPR. And there's this guy in Orlando, Florida called, his name is Chris Castro. And he started this thing called Fleet Farming. He works for the city government in in Orlando and his parents were farmers. And so he kind of knew his way around things as far as the city worked. And he found out that residents in Orlando could farm 60% of their lawn. That's pretty awesome because in a lot of communities you, you can't, you know, you have to have grass or city ordinances will complain. So he found out you could, you could farm 60% of your lawn. So what he did is he started this, this fleet of volunteers And he went to houses and said, Would you like to have fresh vegetables? Are you tired of mowing your lawn? Can we farm on your lawn? And everybody that he asked said yes, these first ten households that he started with. He planned them all around the farmers market. All the volunteers that come and farm on these people's land, they come and harvest the stuff after they've grown it and everything. They give some to the people whose house it is, then they take the rest. And ride their bikes with it over to the farmer's market. Everything's really like he's built the whole plan around this system of they can ride their bikes so there's not a lot of fuel being used. And then they take it and sell it to the farmer's market. This is This so cool. Yeah, it's, it's like just genius out of the box. It's so genius. Right now he has 10 farms and there's 300 people on a waiting list that want to do this. Sure. Because for them, you know, they're not having to have their lawns and mowing and... They're getting fresh food. I mean, it's just awesome. There's good things happening, people creating a movement movement mm-hmm. out there. I hope you get a chance to look at all of those things. Yeah, you guys check it all out. all of those things. You know, just skip us. Just go straight to the... <laughs> well, don't what don't even we waste said, your time okay. listening nah, to this show. Just it's all go, the same. Just, it it's all the same. One minute. One minute. One it's minute. all the same. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. For more information, books, online classes, et cetera, you can find Katie Bowman at NutritiousMovement.com. And there are a lot of free resources there. I mean, a lot of education, a lot of things you can learn for nothing.
0: Um, oh, hold on. I just tried to call you right now to see if you're at home. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you can learn
1: more about me, Danny Hemmett, movement warrior and devourer of the whole apple, <laughs> core and all at MoveYourBodyBetter.com. See ya. Bye. We hope you find the general information on biomechanics, movement, and alignment informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and shouldn't be used as such.